0: Well, good morning, Docs Church. You guys good? Okay, a couple over you are. We're going to work on that, okay? But guys, it's, uh, it's great to see you. Go ahead and grab your Bibles and find your way to Romans chapter 10, okay? Um, if you're new and we haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Rob, one of the pastors here at Docs. It's great to have you part of our, our church family this morning. But guys, here's where we're at today. We are wrapping up a teaching series that we started about five weeks ago that we have titled Explicit Gospel. Okay, so we're going to be tying a bow on that uh, this morning. And then next week, what we're going to be doing, as we mentioned this a, a couple weeks ago, is we're going to be jumping into a study through the Old Testament book of Jonah. All right, and this is going to take us all the way up to Christmas. It's wild that we're even talking about Christmas already, but anybody decorating for Christmas yet? There's always one. Okay, you're still welcome here. God still loves you, but that's weird. Okay, but here's what we got. My encouragement for you, okay? This week, guys, make it your goal to just grab your Bible and get through the book of Jonah before we gather next Sunday. All right? And you might be thinking, oh, I don't have time for that, guys. Four chapters. So those of you guys who do your thing in the morning on the toilet, just extend it a little bit longer and you'll make it through. Four chapters. You got that. I'm sorry, guys. It's going to be one of those mornings, okay? But here's, here's um, I need to pray and then we'll just ask Jesus. But here's, we're going to pray in just a minute. Four chapters this week. All right? get to Jonah. Get the big picture of what's going on in that book. And then as we gather next week, we're just going to take it verse by verse for the next several weeks, knowing that God speaks to us through His Word. Knowing that as we get into the Bible and walk through Jonah, God is going to speak, He's going to help, He's going to convict, He's going to encourage, and ultimately He's going to shape us through His Word, okay? So, hey, before we get into Romans chapter 10 today, guys, I want to give us a, a space as a church family um, to pray. Um, specifically around the craziness that's going on in our world right now with Israel and Gaza. Being at the forefront of all that, that's certainly not all the the craziness that's that's happening, but a lot of people are being killed right now. There's a lot of people suffering um, in fear, and the Jewish people who have just been really just kind of brutalized over thousands of years have really just kind of suffered over this last week, like, the most loss of life since the Holocaust, and now because of how they're having to respond, um, many more people, Israelites and Palestinians, are in fact going to die. And you know, as we, as we think about the world and you engage with kind of po- political things, current events maybe is a better word, um, it's so important to have an eternal perspective, a, a worldview that includes God, because you can hear about all this and it's not just like, oh, okay, that's happening. Because as this happens... All around the world, guys, this breaks the heart of God. It's a result of sin in our world, and we know that the gospel is the only answer. It's Jesus. And here's the truth about us as a a church, okay? God's people are actually a, a praying people. And we don't pray to like an impotent God, but we pray to a powerful God who is good and full of love and grace and mercy, and we believe in the power of prayer. That our, our prayers don't just raise to the ceiling and kind of stop, but they go to the ears of God. And we see this throughout all the pages of, of Scripture. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to have a minute just to pray. All right, so I'm going to invite you just to quiet your heart and just be still for a moment. And then I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite you to pray with me. So just bow your head, just be still, get before God. Father, we we love you. And Jesus, I remember you in the midst of a storm um, speaking and just said, peace, be still. And as you did that, that storm was stilled. And so today, Holy Spirit, we ask just for a miracle in the midst of the storms raging across our world and taking so many lives, impacting thousands, of people, and we just ask that your peace would just fill Israel and Gaza. God, we ask that you would just like intervene for your glory, for your good plan, and for the good of the world. And God, I know that your heart just like breaks for those that are suffering, and the people killed and left behind, for the orphaned children, for the families that are just searching for safety and sort. Lord, we just ask that you would just in fact move, that your peace, your love, your gospel would be experienced by all that are impacted by this conflict right now. God, we pray for salvation. Salvation for people on both sides of this conflict, and we know, God, that the gospel of Jesus is the only hope and what every person in this world most desperately needs, and so Holy Spirit, would you just use this situation to make the gospel of Jesus more real to every single person and just save And God, we call on you to just thwart, frustrate, and defeat the terrorists that are just hell-bent on death. Would you move in power in Israel, in Gaza, and bring about just peace for your glory, for the good of the world? And would you just help the, the countries and the nations and the people that are all around the world, whether it be Ukraine or in Syria or Azerbaijan, the places in this world where there's so many conflicts and so much death, we ask you to move. Father, the world desperately needs Jesus, and so we just ask God that you would just intervene. And so, Doxa, right now, in your own words, just talk to God. Just pray. Ask him to move, ask him to help, ask him to protect, ask him to save. Just talk to him. God, we pray with confidence that you hear us, and we pray in confidence that you can move in power, and you do everything for your glory and our good, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so Doxa, I'm convinced, I don't know where you're at, but I'm convinced that there is true power in prayer and that God moves when his people pray. And one of my ongoing prayers, along with the elders and the staff, is that that God would cause us and and really just make us to be a praying church, okay? Not just a church that that prays like occasionally at some moments, but that prayer for for our church would be like breathing for every single human being. That it would just be part of what we do. And Because I shared this at Salt Company on Thursday night with the college students, but I'm convinced that the weakness in our Christian lives, myself included, is due to weakness in prayer. And so let's just keep looking to God. Let's keep meeting with God in prayer, amen? All right. So guys, we're, we're wrapping up this teaching series today that we've titled Explicit Gospel, okay? And, and our goal throughout this entire series was to bring clarity around the word gospel. What is the gospel of Jesus all about? Because it's the most significant thing for us to know and for our world to know. And over the last five weeks, the way that we have approached explaining and understanding the gospel is by looking at kind of like the different elements of the gospel and breaking it down, looking at the nature of God, the nature of mankind, looking at sin and Jesus and the cross and the resurrection. And the hope is, is that as we continue, it's not like we're just going to study the gospel and then move on, but the gospel is everything. But as we move forward as the family of God, that we would have an explicitly clear understanding of what we mean when we say that word gospel. All right, so what I want to do is I want to start with, with sharing the gospel with you, reminding you. And I'm going to do this a little bit differently, okay? I'm not much of an artist, but we're going to try and make this work, okay? But I want to remind you of this gospel and share this gospel with you. And so my hope is, is as I do this, all right, that some of you that you don't know Jesus and you don't know the gospel, that you would come to Jesus today and you would be saved of your sin. That's what I hope. But also guys I want to I'm going to draw the gospel okay I'm not much of an artist but here's my hope is that for Christians in this room that you would be reminded of the gospel that it would stir affection and worship wonder awe and prayer, praise in you that you would leave here with a just stirred up from what God has done but also I want to just give you a tool all right so what I'm about to draw is what I draw at a coffee shop almost every single week when I just meet people that God intersects me with and I have the opportunity to share the gospel with them so I've drawn this on hundreds of napkins that are somewhere scattered around Madison right now. But when we talk about the gospel, all right, let's see if this thing's working. Is it working? No? There it is. We're working now, I think. Okay. Guys, when we talk about, what is that? A G. We're talking about God. Okay? (laughs) That's what we're talking about. But the gospel, guys, begins you're going to have to, my hands are shaky, all this stuff, okay? So it begins with God's design. So that when God created, all right, can you read my writing? It's perfect, right? So anyway, do it, do it better than this. God has a design. And when he created, he designed humanity in his image to have relationship with him. All right? And God has a design for all of our lives. It encompasses Everything. All right, and this includes like our personal choices, this includes our money, our our hobbies, our sex life, all of it. God has a design for our life. And when we are living in this design, all right, we have the opportunity to enjoy the blessings of God where we're in harmony with him, we're in unity with him. This was the original creation with Adam and Eve, the first of humanity. But the problem is, is that we all have a tendency, human beings have a tendency to stray away from God's design. And the Bible just simply calls that sin. And sin is a very real part of every single one of our lives. It's us kind of just leaving God's design and pursuing our own ways that we're all doing something that is not right, meaning like we do things that we shouldn't do and we don't do things that we should do. The Bible just calls that sin, and sin really just brings in brokenness. And this is all that we have in our world. This is why, guys, I don't have to like convince you that our world is broken. This is why there's thousands of people being killed overseas right now. This is why that your cheeks are wet so often with your tears. We all experience brokenness. Sin brings brokenness. It separates us from God and it breaks our world. And we all have it. And what we try and do is every single person, since the first of humanity that sinned in the garden, is we try and fix our own brokenness. And so we, we, just, we just go after things. And we go after life coaches, right? We go after relationships. We start seeking after, what in the world is this? How do we do this? Oh, my goodness. Jesse? (laughs) Well, guys, I'm just going to keep talking. So what we do is we go after so many different things, right? And we're trying to search for the thing to fix our brokenness. But the thing that we need to understand is that the solution and the the remedy to our brokenness is is not something that we find within ourselves, but it's in the gospel of Jesus. That God had to step into the situation, into human story, and to, to live a life that we couldn't live, to die a death that we should have died because of sin. And this is what Jesus, in fact, did. That when Jesus went to the cross, God did a miracle. He put all of our sins on Jesus. And then as he raised him from the dead, it was God declaring this man is who he said he is. And he came and he did the thing that he said he could do, which was to forgive sin. And so we have the remedy that's existing in the midst of our brokenness. But the only way to grab a hold of that is that we have to do what the Bible says. Jesus says in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, when he comes on the scene in his inaugural address, he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. That we need to repent and believe. And when we do that, the gospel, Jesus, comes a real part of our life and he heals our brokenness. He takes our sin. And then he causes us to then be able to recover and pursue our relationship with God. Guys, this is, in fact, the gospel. This is what this church is all about. This is what our lives are all about. It's this gospel. And honestly, this is what this book is all about. This book is 66 books written by 40 different authors over the span of 1,500, 2,000 years. And it's one story. And it's about Jesus. It's all Jesus. It's the gospel. And so, guys, as we get into Romans chapter 10 today, this is what the Apostle Paul who authors the book of Romans, is talking about. That throughout Romans, he keeps talking repeatedly about the gospel. And then in chapter 10, Paul is once again sharing the gospel. And as he does this, as we look at his words today, here's the big question. What do we do with this gospel? Paul's going to share several different things with us today. So let's find out. Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Let's get in. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. I'm going to stop. Here's what's going on. All right? Paul is talking about the Jewish people. And as Paul is is thinking about the gospel and his fellow Jewish people, all right, his heart is just stirred. And I want you to see this, okay? If you just look back, this is something so we can just miss this. But notice that Paul, he believes the truth about God. He believes the truth of the gospel. And because he cares so much about those around him, what does he do? He prays. He prays. And I just need you to understand this, Doxa. Our prayer lives, whether we pray and what we pray, tends to reveal what's truly in our hearts and in our minds. And what seems particularly to be on Paul's mind here and on his heart is people meeting Jesus for salvation. That is as Paul it would be in a worship service like this and he has his hands in, his air, in the air and he's holding the Bible in his hand, what he's thinking about is not just Jesus isolated from everything else and just him, but he's thinking about Jesus and other people and how he's thinking about people who have not heard about Jesus and haven't come to Jesus and found salvation and forgiveness of sin and he just falls on his knees and he prays that people would meet Jesus. And so Christian, let me just ask you this. Do you love people like that? Do you have like a spiritual and eternal perspective like that? Do you have an accurate view of sin and salvation and heaven and hell? And are you compelled to just cry out to God and ask him to save the people around you that don't know Jesus? And if not, What's the reason for that? What is it? Ah, maybe that's a great thing to talk about at Connection Group this week. Why not? But as we look at the Apostle Paul guys, this is a regular rhythm to his life, and we see this elsewhere throughout the letters that he wrote in the New Testament. For example, in First Timothy chapter two, right he, he urges Christians everywhere to pray for people everywhere, because the heart in the mission of God is to save. It's to save. And we know that there's power in prayer. And that our prayers for people around us who don't know Jesus, to have their eyes open and their hearts softened. we know that this is effective. Guys, and I remember experiencing this for the first time. It was year one of being a Christian. Became a Christian my senior year in college. And I remember my mom was a Christian as I was growing up, and she was kind of like in and out of like some church. And I I remember she, this lady, I was... uh, it was my first year of being a Christian. I was speaking at some seminary event that I was was at. And I think I may have told this at some point, but I come out from after one of the sessions and this old lady comes up to me and she's like, Robbie? And I was like, who are you, old lady? And why are you calling me Robbie? Okay, so, but she comes up to me and she's like, you don't know me, but I know you and I've been praying for you for the last 20 years. And she said, I was in a Bible study with your mom 20 years ago at a Baptist church in Headlands, in the Headlands in Menorah, Ohio or something like that. And she's like, she asked me if I would pray for you because your life's a wreck. And she's like, I've prayed for you every single day. I Never knew what happened, I haven't talked to your mom for years but now. And she started crying and she was just like, I'm reminded today of the power of prayer. And she cried and she hugged me and then I cried and we just stood there and I don't even know her name to this day, okay? But it's the power of prayer God uses prayer, and he moves when his people pray. And guys, this is something that Paul knew. And so Christian, one of the things that we do with the gospel is to pray that it will be seen and understood and accepted and experienced by everyone around us. You know, I have a list of people. All right, I have a journal. Every morning when I wake up and I set out to meet with God, I open up my Bible, open up my journal. And before I even get into the Bible, I have one of the first couple pages of my journal, I have a list of men in my life that don't know Jesus. And I pray for them. And I just say, God, would you just do what you did for me? And I do what that old lady did for me. And I just get on my knees and say, Father, I just want them to be saved. Would you open up their eyes? Would you soften their hearts? Would you just give me the joy and the opportunity to teach them about Jesus, to lead them to Jesus, to help them understand how good Jesus is? And I just pray. And so let me ask you this, guys. Who's in your life right now that God has divinely placed there that you could be praying for? Chances are, Christian, they're they're in your head right now. Maybe you write them down. And I would ask the question, like, what what might happen if you just got before the Lord and brought those friends before the Lord and just asked God to open up their minds, open up their eyes, and just save them? What would happen? Guys, maybe this is the week that you find out. Maybe it's it's time to take God at his word and to believe in the power of prayer and take steps in that direction. Now, if you look at verses 2 through 8, we see more specifically why Paul is praying, all right? That he says these people were zealous for God, but they didn't have knowledge, all right? And so for Paul, he knew that zeal or, or just like passion without knowledge is not a good recipe, okay? It doesn't produce anything good. And honestly, this is in complete contradiction to a common proverb of our day that says that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Many people live like that. And Paul says, these people, they're sincere and they're zealous in their beliefs, but their beliefs are just wrong and they're misguided. And guys, this was me for many years of my life, and I'll submit to you that this is where much of our world is today. Very sincere, very zealous, very wrong. Now, let me pause on this because, guys, that statement can get me labeled as intolerant or arrogant. And someone could hear that, and maybe, maybe you would even hear that. There's someone maybe in here that you're thinking that about me right now. And you might be asking the question like, what gives you the right to say what is right and wrong? And who is right and wrong? And maybe you would look at me and you'd say, Rob, how arrogant do you have to be to claim that what you are saying is right? And if you're thinking that, because I want you to know, those are in fact actually the right questions to ask. But to that, here's what I have to say. Here's where I'm at. All right, the gospel is not my truth, okay? When it comes to the gospel, this is not a gospel. This is not originated from man, all right? This is not the gospel of Rob Warren. This is not the gospel of Doxa Church. We're talking about the gospel of God. And throughout Paul's letters, this language Of the gospel of God. He uses this throughout his language, speaking of the gospel. That Paul doesn't share the gospel of love or the gospel of truth or the gospel of hope, but Paul shares the gospel of God. It's the gospel of God as opposed to any other human philosophy or ideology. It's God's. He authored it and it belongs to him. And, docs, I wonder if you realize what an incredible gift it is to have this gospel. Because guys, we live in a day of just relativism and pluralism where everything is more or less relative and there's not really a way to know like what is absolutely true about something. And people will ask, well, how do you know for certain that you're right? And here's what I say, guys, if it's our truth, if it's our gospel, we wouldn't. We don't build our church and we don't build our lives on the gospel because we think that we're like smarter than some people or more insightful or more spiritually inclined or anything like that. We believe that this is God's truth and God's gospel and that changes everything. It's not from man, it's from God. And guys, when we understand this, this ultimately gives us security and safety and and just assurance in life and ultimately hope for eternity and this was actually highlighted to me last night. I was working on this message, this, this exact message at Panera last night, okay? So college students, procrastination, I get it, it's good, okay? When I'm working at Panera, there's no one in the restaurant, okay, and I'm sitting off in the little corner, and, there, and then the lady, just out of 50 tables that she could choose, she chose the one right in front of me and sat staring at me, okay? So don't know, sweet old lady, but she just did that and was trying to figure out how to use her phone and Siri kept going off, but anyway, we're sitting there and she looks at me and she's seeing I got books all over my, the table and she's like, what are you doing? Like, why are you here this late and why do you have so many books? And so I told her, I'm writing a sermon. I'm going to talk about the gospel. And so we ended up talking for a few minutes uh, and then she ended up sharing some of her beliefs for a minute. And, and she believes and she told me that life and eternity are all about giving and respecting and helping people. And I asked her, I was just like, what makes you like so certain that this is true? And then she quoted like something from the Dalai Lama. And then I asked her, I was like, does it concern you at all that you're basing your entire life and your entire eternity on the words and the teachings of just a man? Like I just told her, I'm like, that would be a scary place for me to be at. Because the reality is, guys, there have been many men and women throughout the history of the world who have said many great things about the truth of life. Men like Buddha and Muhammad and Joseph Smith. There are millions of pages written in books by by men and women who seek to give good news for us in this life. But hear me on this. They are all from the minds and the mouths of men. You just need to know, guys, all world religions apart from Christianity are based upon the teachings of a man. We stand on the gospel of God, not man. And there's security in this. And I'll even say to you guys, if if someone is asking you like what you believe, and you don't say, "Hey, my pastor says this," it's the gospel of God. We stand on the gospel of God, Amen. Amen. And so for Paul, here in Romans 10, he's talking about people who were passionate in their ways, but they resisted the gospel of God. And if you look back to verses 3 through 5, these people were were seeking to be righteous before God by their own efforts. They're saying, man, if I can just do enough stuff, I'm going to be righteous before God. I'll be be fine. And Paul just looks at him and he says, you got it wrong. I know you're very passionate about this. You're very zealous about this. But you can spend your whole life doing that and you're spinning your wheels. It's not going to do anything with your relationship with God because it's not about you. It's about Jesus. And then he says this in verse 6, take a look. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. And what Paul is saying is that you don't need to do anything to be righteous. Some of you, maybe if you grew up with like a Catholic background, this maybe sounds totally like irreligious and sacrilegious and totally wrong it's not about your work, it's about the work of Jesus. Because if it's about your work, then we're all damned. And Paul is saying, you don't need to scale heaven because Jesus came down from it, and you don't need to deal with your sown sin in death because Jesus has already done it. And then he goes on to say this in verse 9. This is like the most quoted part of this chapter. He says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the, the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. In verse 13, I want you to underline this in your Bible. For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Even that guy, even that guy. I'm not pointing the, the guy over here, okay? But right? I mean, we have people in our lives that you're like, there's no way. I don't like that guy. He's terrible. That guy. Everyone who calls in the name of the Lord. In the Greek, if you look up everyone, do you know what it means? Everyone. Everyone who calls in the name of the Lord can be saved. There's not good people and bad people. It's not God in heaven looking down and seeing good people and bad people. It's God looking down and seeing bad people in the Lord Jesus. This is us. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. And what Paul is saying is that the gospel is for all people. And all that is necessary for a person to take hold of salvation from sin is to transfer all of our hopes and all of our control to Jesus. Jesus. It's to trust in Jesus to do what he says he can and we can't. It's to simply come to Jesus and say, you're God, I'm not, I have sin, you have salvation, I believe that you can save me and I'm asking you to do it. So back to that big question, what do we do with the gospel? If you are here and you don't know Jesus and you're not a Christian, you've never come to him, You need Jesus. You need to come to Jesus. And it's not for me, it's for you. It's for your joy, it's for your eternal life. You need to come to Jesus. You need to hear this message and you need to respond by accepting it. That's what you need to do. Now, is that it? Like when it comes to the gospel, do we just accept it and then pray that others will as well? Like is the gospel just something that we accept and then we kind of put it onto the the mantle of our life and then we kind of look at it from time to time and be like, man, bless God. And then we grab it on Sundays and bring it to church so we can hold it up and sing about it and pray about it. Is that what we do? Someone say no. Okay, no. Look at verse 14. How then? Will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And so let me just summarize this for you. In antiquity there were kingdoms, and over every kingdom was a king, all right? And there would be times when the king would need to get a message out to everybody, and he would have even, like, good news, that he would need to get out to the kingdom, that would get everybody on the same page, get them unified, instruct them on what is most important, and what he would do is the king would bring together a messenger, and he would say, here's the good news, and then he would send that messenger out into the kingdom. And they would go, and they would herald This message. And that's what Paul says. If you look back when he says preach, all right, in the Greek, this is not just to think about a sermon, okay? This is not what I'm doing right now, but this is literally to be a herald. A herald wouldn't leave the king's palace and climb up onto a stage, but they would run through the streets. And they would say, Here's what the king says. Here's what the king says. And what Paul is doing here is he's saying, Jesus is in fact king, and there's good news that gets out, and his people are his messengers, and we need to hit the streets and tell everybody that this is actually true. This is what Paul is getting at. We're messengers. And so Paul is saying that here is King Jesus. He's what the world needs. It's really good news. Go tell everybody. And the good news is about Jesus, that there is a God and his name is Jesus. And this God loves This God serves, this God pursues, this God is patient, this God is merciful, this God is good, this God is gracious, this God sees you, this God hears you, this God invites you, this God lived for you, this God died for you, this God raised for you, this God can save you, and this God's name is Jesus. Amen? This is what Paul is saying. Go, proclaim, herald, be a messenger, tell everyone. And so we go out of places like this. And we tell everyone about Jesus, because what we're talking about is evangelism, right? You've grown up in the church, you've heard that word. It's a scary word for a lot of people. But Evangelism literally is just a non, uh, Christian talking to a non-Christian about Jesus. And so Paul says people need to hear. But they can't hear if people aren't willing to go and talk. But then Paul also says, hey, it's not just enough to hear. Because right? if you look back, he gives like a threefold process have people come and find salvation and paul talks about hearing believing and calling all right and hearing is what he's saying here what we're talking about is someone being sent to talk to other people to preach to other people to discuss with them who jesus is and what jesus has done and christian i might know i know that you you might not think that you can do this right you've If you've grown up in youth group, you've been to the rallies where the pastor gets up and says, go share the gospel, and they give you a rah-rah speech, and then send you out, and you're like, that's scary. And I don't think I can do that. I I don't know enough. Like, I'm not gifted enough. Like, I haven't been trained for this. Because I want you to know that if you know enough to be saved, you know enough to share. Okay? And it's not about your gifting, it's about your God. Amen? Amen? because we can serve people, we can love people, we can share with people, but it's God that saves people. And I share this with you because I want to take the pressure off. You don't save people. It's not about you memorizing a perfect formula and saying the exact right thing. It's about you loving Jesus, knowing the gospel and just opening up your mouth and loving people and saying, here's Jesus, he loves you. That's the good news. The bad news is you have sin, but the good news is he really loves you and he can take that from you. Come to him. It's that that God uses. Our job is simply to open up our mouths. And what Paul is saying is that the point is just to simply tell people. Talk to people about Jesus. So they can hear, but it doesn't just stop there. But they need to believe. Okay, so it's not just enough to hear. Paul says they need to believe who Jesus is. They need to actually believe that he is God and Savior and Christ and King. And they need to receive this information as something that they agree with and they believe. But it doesn't even stop there. Paul says that the third step is they need to call on the name of the Lord. And so if you're here, you need to know that you need to call on the name of the Lord. If you're not a Christian, because the same way that you begin a relationship with any other human being is kind of like how you do it with the Lord Jesus you call upon that person, you introduce yourself, and the relationship starts. And for me, guys, it was 2006 at the age of 23 that I first called upon the name of the Lord. I had heard about Jesus. I even kind of believed a little bit about Jesus, but I didn't call on him. It wasn't something that I wanted to start. And God was gracious enough to allow me to see my sin before I totally shipwrecked my life. But I remember sitting there at 226 North Enterprise in Bowling Green, Ohio, surrounded by beer cans and drug paraphernalia. And I was like, Jesus, I see you. I have heard about you. You're God. I'm not. I got sin. I hear you're a savior. I'm calling on you right now to save me. And he did. And he radically changed my life. In the same way, you need to do that. When you call upon the name of the Lord, this is where the relationship starts. And as you're calling on him, you're inviting him into your life and you're agreeing with him and now he gets to be in charge as the Lord. And all three of these aspects are important. So I just need you to understand, ultimately, it's not enough to just hear, okay? Because if you don't call, it doesn't benefit you. And you can do this either vocally or just sitting there in your heart, in your mind, because God knows your thoughts and he knows your heart. And it's simply saying, Jesus, I hear about you. I believe that you are God and Savior and I'm calling on you now to forgive my sin. And I'm inviting you to have this new relationship with me right now so that I can have a relationship with you. And if you've never done that, I would encourage you, I would implore you for your own joy and your own eternity, you could do that right now in your seat. There's no mystical, magical thing that you need to Google. Call upon the Lord. You've heard, you believe, and you call upon the Lord. You can do that right now. And I guarantee you, when you do that, Jesus will say yes, and he will come, and he will love you, he will make you clean, he will save your life, and he will change you. Is that anybody else's story in here? Like, he come, you come to Jesus, and he just kind of power washes your soul and makes you new, and all of a sudden, everything has changed. I want that for you. This is what Jesus does, and this is why we're here. That's it. But people need to hear. And I mention this because some of you, especially if you've grown up in the church, you've, you've heard a quote that's been um, wrongly attributed to a man named Francis of Assisi. All right? And some people, what they will say is, Christians is like, hey, the gospel is, is not something, we don't need to go out and tell everybody about the gospel, but we need to love everybody with the gospel. And so what really matters is we just need to love people. Because they use this quote that says, preach the gospel at all times, and if it's necessary, then use words. So they'll say, just go out and love people, serve people, do good works for people. That's what the gospel would do. And, and they said, say, you don't need to share it. Just do good works, love people like that. Here's what you need to know, guys. People don't get saved by good works. They get saved by good news. And they need to hear it. They absolutely need to hear it. Someone has to go and articulate it to them, or they will never know. Look, guys, no one is going to know that Jesus lo- loves them, lived for them, died for them, raised for them, and can save them by you taking them out to lunch or buying them a car or holding a door open. They need to actually hear it. But this is hard, right, Christian? I mean, one of the reasons why we don't share the gospel that much, I think, is because it's, it can be a fearful thing. I don't want it to be awkward. I don't want to get rejected. I mean, because that happened to Jesus, right? I mean, Jesus was on the scene, and when he was like feeding hungry people, when he was healing, hurting people and sick people, no one had a problem with him. But then he started saying, hey, you got sin in your life, and you're a sinner, and you need a savior, and they killed him. And I think Christians today are like, I don't want that. Because here's where I'm at. I'd rather feel awkward for a moment than for that person who has spent eternity away from God. I'll push through the awkwardness with the hope that that person can meet Jesus and I could be with them forever in joy, amen? We go with the gospel. People need to hear, guys, and the truth is they're more likely to respond to an invite to your backyard for a barbecue and a conversation than your invite into a church. And so this is what we do. We go with the gospel. We build relationships and we speak about Jesus. And that's what Paul says in verse 17. So faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. We go with the gospel, sharing the gospel. So I'm out of time, but I'm not done. So let me do this, okay? Paul closes this chapter with verses 18 through 21, talking about how not all people will accept the gospel. And he's talking specifically about the Jewish people at the time here. And Paul says that they have heard the gospel in verse 18. And he quotes uh, Psalm 19 with this, that God sent people to the Jewish people. The gospel was shared with them, that wherever there was a Jewish community, the gospel had been preached there. This is what Paul is getting at. Then he says in verse 19, by referencing Deuteronomy chapter 32, that not only did they hear it, but they understood it. But despite all of this, verses 20 and 21, they didn't respond because they were disobedient and they were obstinate. So simply put, not everyone who hears the gospel is going to accept accept the gospel. And guys, this is a result of pride that makes a person want to do their own thing and go their own way and functionally be their own God. But I love how Paul ends this chapter. Look at verse 21. But of Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. And here's what he's saying. Paul says that God's hands and heart are open. And they have been open. And he's waiting for his people to come, but many don't. And I want you to know that today, God is still standing there with open hands and an open heart, and he's just waiting for you. That he's done everything for you, and he's just waiting for you to call upon him so that he can actually save you. Will you do it? If you're still stiff-arming God, ask the question, why? Why? You need Jesus Because I just need you to know this, guys. There will come a day where God's hands will in fact close. Jesus will come back and we will all stand before God as a judge. When we will be judged according to the Bible on the way that we lived our lives and what we have done with the gospel of Jesus. And if we are standing there at the judgment seat and we are standing on our own giving an account of our life and our sin, guys, it is going to be the worst day of your entire life because there's no salvation, it's only condemnation. But if you're standing there with Jesus, he has his arm around you and he's like, this one's mine, I paid it all. You need Jesus. Everyone will stand before him and give an account. And if you're standing alone, it's not going to be great, but you can know for certain you can have certainty of your eternal destiny. Listen to John. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know that you have eternal life. Christian, do you know that you have eternal life? And if you're in a place where you don't know if you have eternal life, I would beg you don't leave this place until you know. Ask someone to pray for you, ask someone to talk to you. You can know. And so let me leave you with this. This passage leaves us with two stark truths. Number one, every human is responsible for how they treat the words of Jesus. Every single one of us. And then number two, every Christian is responsible for communicating the words of Jesus. It's not on us to make people believe, but it's on us to help people hear. And we must ensure that wherever it is that God has placed us, that no one around us can say they've never heard or they've never understood. And so what do we do with this gospel? We accept it freely and we give it away liberally. That's it, Doxa. Let me pray. Jesus, I love you. I think of Romans 5.8 that said, while I was still a sinner running away from you, Jesus, you came running after me to save me. And that's the story of all of us in here. That we didn't work our way to you, but you came running after us. And to that, Jesus, we just say thank you. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would just remind every child of God, and hear of the goodness of the gospel right now. Of your love, of your hope, of your assurance. And with that stir in us, worship, wonder, awe, praise, thanksgiving. And for those in here that have never called upon you, help them to just experience your presence and your pursuit of them. Holy Spirit, you say you're a helper and a guide. I pray that you would just help people to see the gospel and that you would save. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's what we're going to do. This type of, of lifestyle, um, it can't be manufactured. You could you can hear this and be really like, that makes total sense. Like, I gotta I got go. And maybe for a couple days you're serving the gospel, maybe in a couple weeks, there's a fuel that will fuel a lifestyle of mission like this, like Paul. And Paul says it's the love of Christ that compels him to do everything. And so what I want to do is I want to give you a chance to be reminded of the love of Christ right now. And that's what communion is all about. And so during these last two songs, we have four stations set up. You can take communion. And as we take communion, we're reminding ourselves of the love of Jesus. That you take the bread and you're reminded of his body that was literally ripped apart for you. And you just say, Thank you, Jesus. And as you dip it in the juice, you're reminded of the blood that was shed for you, that by your stripes you have been made healed or made well. And he has healed you. And you take that and you say, thank you, Jesus. And look, guys, that's the stuff that will fill us with the love of God and remind us of the love of God. And when we start to love God back with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, we'll naturally start to love people like God loves people. And when we love people in that, well, that way, there would be no way that we could be around people and not give them the gospel. And so it starts with Jesus. It's always about Jesus. And so during these last couple songs, get before Jesus and just thank him, worship him. And if you're not a Christian, it doesn't make sense for you to take communion today. You can just sit and observe, but if you did call upon the name of the Lord today, man, run over to that table and just thank Jesus for saving your life. Amen? All right, let's stand, let's sing, let's thank Jesus.